Open your Bible, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I've tried uh, since January uh, once a month to bring a message on the subject of prayer in order to uh, strengthen our ability to pray. Um, Christian brother, Christian sister, listen carefully. I, I'll, uh, I'll go out on a limb tonight and I'll say this, that the measure of your Christian life in value and worth and effectiveness is no greater than your prayer closet than your ability to pray. Um, the Lord Jesus said it very plainly, without me, ye can do nothing. He said it very clearly. And uh, all through the uh, New Testament, Old Testament as well, many, many, many Bible verses point us to God, encouraging us to pray, teaching us to pray. There is so much to learn about the subject of prayer. There really is. It would be like saying... Uh, and a lot of Christians, uh, they don't seem to realize that prayer is a vast subject and a very deep one as well. And they just kind of have the idea, oh, I know how to pray. Uh, well, uh, I, I would challenge that. That would be like someone who knows how to put on a Band-Aid and says, oh, I know, I know about doctoring. You know, there's nothing much more to learn. What, what, what is there to learn? And yet men and women go to uh, colleges and universities for many years to learn medicine. And then after they graduate, they still have to spend years uh, perfecting their trade. And even then, they don't know it all. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the best of doctors, when they uh, get a, a strange case in front of them, they just take a guess, they, their best guess, and they go from there. Process of elimination with all of the guesses, I suppose. But prayer is a vast subject. Please don't ever think that there's nothing more for you to learn about prayer, that you know it all, because you don't. You don't. Um, prayer is something that you'll learn more and more about, and uh, you'll learn how to get better and better at it as you apply yourself to the subject. And so uh, tonight, I want to uh, put before you a simple principle that if you grab hold of this, It'll change the way you pray. It'll change what you think about prayer. It'll change the sense of importance of prayer. And you'll have a, a renewed uh, zeal and vigor, a new desire to want to, uh, to pray. Um, well, enough of an introduction. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the subject. Our Father, we approach you once again. Lord, with fear and trembling tonight because of this subject is so vast. It's uh, quite an ocean when uh, many of us are just used to the bathtub. We've got a, really a, literally an ocean before us. There are things about prayer that we just haven't learned yet. There are depths of prayer that we haven't plumbed yet. There are distances in prayer we just haven't gone yet. Our Father... If anything, please make us a people of God that pray. Please make this a house of prayer. Our Father, help us tonight to learn something profound about prayer and the purpose and the essential of it. And now, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, 
you probably already have a few ideas of some wrong notions of prayer. Many people have wrong ideas, wrong notions about what prayer is. I'll give you two or three of them. One is uh, some people look upon prayer as pretty much just a duty. Now, uh, it's not just unsaved people that would look upon prayer as a duty to perform, but actually some saved people as well. And you can tell because they don't really have a, a daily prayer time with the Lord. All they do is, well, it's time to eat. I guess we better pray. And that's a sense of duty. And so this first uh, notion about prayer being simply a duty to be performed can actually be found in the lives of born-again men and women. And so we need to take the, uh, the broom tonight and sweep that one right out the door. Another mistaken philosophy, if you will, it's, uh, it's this, that prayer is a way to feel better about yourself and about your situation. You know, you've tried everything, you're at your wit's end, I may as well pray about it. And so that's kind of almost a resignation to fatality. But uh, some people look upon prayer like that. And there's actually books uh, published and printed and published on the market that uh, hold this up and will teach that prayer, you know, it's almost like um, a meditation. Uh, prayer is something that you just kind of close your eyes and you just you know, sort of uh, mush back and forth uh, in, the, in the cosmos and let your mind be filled with God and blah, blah, blah. And that sounds almost like Eastern mysticism and uh, this uh, yoga sort of uh, meditation and things like that. So uh, take the broom and get rid of that one about prayer being a, a way to feel better about yourself and about your situation. And then there's another one, and it's a popular one. Now, technically, there's truth to this third one, but a lot of people don't take it any further, and that's this. Prayer is a way to get things from God. And so they miss out totally on the relationship with God, and they just focus on getting things, getting things, getting things. Almost as if God were some kind of heavenly Las Vegas slot machine. You put in a coin and you pull that thing. I don't think they do that anymore, do they? These days of electronics, I don't know what they do, but used to be, you know, or you put the nickel or a quarter or a dollar or whatever and you yank the, they called it a one-armed bandit because it steals your money. You yank this thing and these little wheels turn around you try and hope that you get three lemons or three, I don't know, devils or something and all this money, maybe it's three numbers, 666, all this money comes pouring out the bottom, something like that. And uh, unfortunately, people look upon prayer that way. Well, if I just, you know, throw enough prayers, I'll get what I want. And so uh, that's um, dangerous. That's dangerous. Now, I will say that the, the basic meaning of the word prayer is to ask. Uh, there's a great book on the market written by Dr. John R. Rice, and it's an excellent book called Prayer, Asking and Receiving. And I would recommend that you read that book. But Dr. Rice points out that it's more than just trying to get things out of God. So, um, with, with that kind of uh, um, introduction there, um, I want to suggest to you something about prayer. You'll find prayer listed amongst the essentials of Christian armor. Now, we're in our Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, 
And beginning at verse 11, you'll notice it says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then the apostle enumerates all these pieces of Christian armor, which you need to put on, absolutely. But we find prayer uh, amongst this list. Say, why is that? Prayer as part of the essentials of Christian armor. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that's Paul writing, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so we have prayer listed here in the, um, uh, the Christian armor. Now that's interesting. Some people refer to prayer as a weapon. And now there is some truth to that. With prayer, we can go against the, the devil's kingdom and uh, tear down the devil's kingdom. We can assault the gates of hell. Uh, so in, in a certain sense, prayer can be a weapon. But I want to suggest something to you tonight. And I think it fits the context a little bit better. Uh, and that is this. Prayer is more a tool of communication. And it's listed amongst the armor. Now, um, prayer enables us to communicate with Almighty God. That's simple, isn't it? We all knew that one, right? No one here tonight didn't know that. You know that prayer enables you to communicate with God. You know that. All right. Why do we need that? Why do we need communication with God? Well, the context of what we just looked at in Ephesians talks about armor. It talks about spiritual warfare. Why do we need to be in constant touch with God? Why do we need this, this vehicle, this tool called prayer? Why do we need to communicate with God? It's because we're in a battle. That's the context here. I think everyone would agree that Ephesians 6, he's talking about the battle, the spiritual battle in life. You may feel you're in a battle. You may not feel you're in your battle. It doesn't matter what you feel. The fact is you're in a battle. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're on the battlefield. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are the devil's enemy. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the Lord's army. Whether you know it or don't know it, whether you feel it or don't feel it, it doesn't change the fact that you are in the Lord's army. Um... You may not feel that you're in the nation of Canada, the country of Canada, but you are. You may not want to be in the country of Canada, but you are. Right? Someone once said wise words. My son, wherever you go in life, there you are. You happen to be in Canada right now, right? Any, uh, any argument on that one? <laughs> We're in Canada, folks. If you're saved, you're in the battle. Oh, but I don't feel I'm in the battle. You don't have to feel anything. You're in the battle. I, I didn't know I was... You don't have to know. You're in the battle. You know now. And some days, actually, you, you know it a little more and some days a little less. But you're in the battle. Um, back in the Roman days, the Roman leaders in times of battle needed to communicate with their troops on the field. And how would they do it? What they used was um, various uh, sounds of a trumpet. 
And the troops were trained that when they heard a trumpet, maybe two short and two long blasts of the trumpet, it meant to, to turn to the right and run. Maybe if they heard uh, one long blast of the trumpet, it meant to duck because the arrows are coming or something. But the, uh, the generals would communicate with their troops on the field with uh, trumpet sounds and with the sounds of drums. Also, they would use uh, visual things, sometimes fire. Sometimes they'd put up big banners and the, uh, the troops could see this and they would know what it meant. Those signals, it was communication. And it was essential on the battlefield. The Roman uh, generals had to communicate with them. Um, in World War II, they had perfected wireless communications. Let me tell you a story. Back in 1928, two brothers by the name of Paul and Joseph Galvin, they started a, a manufacturing, an electrical manufacturing company called the Galvin, Galvin Manufacturing. And uh, they started making uh, these uh, electrical devices. People had battery-powered radios in their home at the time in the 1920s and uh, the Galvins came up with a device that allowed you to operate your battery-powered radio off the electrical current in your house. And so they came up with this device and they started selling them very quickly. Uh, times changed and these devices became obsolete. And so um, both Paul and Joseph decided that they needed to sell something else. And so they started manufacturing car radios. And uh, this seemed to sell well. So much that they uh, started to get into wireless communications, car radio transceivers, and they would sell them to the police departments. And so both Paul and Joseph, they, uh, they wanted to come up, well, maybe it was more Paul than Joseph, I suppose, but they wanted to come up with a brand name for this radio, this transceiver radio that they were putting in the automobiles. And so Paul thought about um, um, the motor car. And popular back then was an old crank-operated wind-up record player called a Victrola with a big horn. Maybe you've seen pictures of them. I've got a replica of one in my home. And so he thought of the, the motor and the Victrola, and so he got rid of the Vic, and he got the Ola, and he got the motor, and he got the Ola together, and he got Motorola. How many of you ever heard of Motorola? Okay, well, that was the name he came up with for these uh, uh, radio transceivers with the uh, microphone and the speaker, and the police could talk to headquarters back and forth. And this invention uh, was so popular, they sold so many of them, that um, Paul and Joseph decided to change the name of the company from Galvin Manufacturing to Motorola. That's how the name came to be. World War II came along, and in 1941, the Motorola company perfected a handheld radio. They called it an AMSCR 536 radio, and I got a picture of one. Put that up there. That's what they, they looked like. And these are just old dinosaurs, I know, but back in 1941, that was bleeding edge technology. These things were, oh, about a foot high, something like that, and they, could, they were rugged. You could drop these things out of a plane and uh, they would get banged around, but they still worked. There was no on and off switch. What you did was you pull out the antenna. Let's see if I can show you. 
<laughs> my pointer. Oh, it works. Uh, this right here, see that, that cap? That goes up over top. This collapses down in. This cap goes on top. You all see that? When you pull out the antenna, that's what turns the radio on. And when you pull in, push the antenna back in, that's what turns the radio off. And then it had a simple little clicker right here. Can you see that? That thing there. And you operate it. Well, there it is right there again. There we go. There it is there. It's a clicker. And you click the talk and you release to listen. Hello, boss. We're getting bombed. You know, stay tuned for more. And they would communicate. And these, these things were fantastic. And the Motorola company made hundreds of thousands of these things. Uh, they were used greatly in World War II. And they did contribute to uh, winning the war. And so uh, they became uh, famous. All right, so you can put that away. And so um, communication is vital, absolutely vital. Whether you're in the military or whether you're in business, communication is absolutely vital. Or if you're in a marriage, communication is absolutely vital. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. Say amen, one of you married people. Yeah. Here in our church, communication is vital also. I have up here beside me a small little telephone that's wired directly in to the sound booth back there. And sometimes during the church services, if I need to know something or if I need to give a direction, I can pick up that phone and talk directly back there. And then they'll do what it is that needs to be done. Maybe it's an errand they have to run on or I'm checking to make sure they got a picture of something. What? No picture? Well, you got two minutes to find one. And they scramble back there. But that little telephone is vital communication to help keep the service going along, okay? Sometimes I ask them to turn the fans up and down and things like that as well. Our next building, it's all going to be automatic, amen? We're going to have a nice uh, AC uh, heated uh, automatic system. No more of this manual stuff. Well, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, assures us, that we're all in a spiritual battle. Christian, you're in the battle. You're on the battlefield. And we see that God has provided all the necessary armor for us soldiers to wear. But He's also provided us the necessary ability to communicate directly with Him, the general, the commander. Now, if Christians are in a spiritual battle, that makes us soldiers. What is a soldier? A soldier is someone who serves in the army. How about that for a simple explanation? Uh, tell me, do you feel like a soldier every day? Because there's days I sure don't. So I'm guessing there's probably days you don't feel like you're much of a soldier. You don't, it doesn't even cross your mind. You don't even think about it. You think about work. You think about school. You think about errands. You think about jobs that need to be done. You think about problems you've got. You think about surprises that are coming around the corner. But often you won't feel like a soldier. Now, most Christians are aware of the spiritual warfare. That's true. Most of us are. But we don't always feel like soldiers. Now, here's what, here's what I'm driving at. What happens when you don't feel like a soldier? What happens when you're not aware of the fact that you're on the battlefield for the Lord? What happens tomorrow morning when you wake up and you get yourself ready and you've totally forgotten that you're a Christian soldier on the battlefield? What happens? What's the result? 
We feel more just like ordinary people, don't we? That's what we feel like. And when we feel like ordinary people, we don't wear the Christian armor. We forget. Or we may say, why bother? I've done all right up till now. When we don't feel like Christian soldiers, we feel more like ordinary people, we don't pray like a soldier, Christian soldier, needs to pray. We say, what real need is there? It's just another work day. It's only Monday. You know that a lot of people are going to wake up tomorrow morning and they're not going to go to sleep tomorrow night because they're going to die. They're going to wake up tomorrow morning and get themselves all ready and they're going to get in the car and have an accident and either die at the scene or die at the hospital. Did you know there are people that are going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be their last day? They had no idea, no idea, no idea. And by the way, let's be honest, that could happen to any one of us. Any one of us. It's only by God's grace that we have another day and another day and another day. But folks, I'm telling you something. Truth of the matter is, you and I, we are soldiers in the Lord's army on the battlefield, whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not. And I, I almost think that the days we don't feel it are probably the days that we really ought to. When the devil gets us to forget the battlefield and forget the armor, don't you think that that's an important day? That, that, boy, that's a day that we ought to remember. Often it seems that way anyhow. But I'll tell you something else. When we don't feel like Christian soldiers and we, don't feel, and we just feel like ordinary people, soul winners forget to wear their soul winners university pin. <laughs> We've learned that one around here. And so we're always trying to encourage the soul winners, wear your pin, wear your pin. What's the result when we forget that we're on the battlefield? What's the bottom line result when we just feel like ordinary people, we don't wear the armor, we don't pray as we ought to? What's the bottom line? Is we suffer spiritually and we begin to lose spiritual battles. That's the bottom line, folks. That's the way it is, whether we know it or not. We have to keep remembering that we are God's soldiers in a spiritual battle. Doing that will change the way we think about prayer. I can guarantee you this. If tomorrow morning you wake up and you say, I'm a Christian soldier living for the Lord. I'm in a spiritual battle on Monday. And if you wake up and go through the day with that in mind, it will change your prayer life instantly. You will automatically start communicating with the general all through breakfast, right through to lunch, through lunch into the afternoon, into the afternoon as you come home, and into the evening till you lay your head in, on the pillow. If you can remember that you're a Christian soldier on the battlefield, you're going to be in touch with your commander. Prayer is just going to be the natural result of this. Prayer becomes the communicating with God so that we can transmit to Him our understanding of the, the battles as we see it. And we can receive from Him the instructions for the battle of that day. Prayer is the sense of God's needs uh, in order to fulfill His will upon earth. Did you catch that? Because many of us miss that. I'm going to repeat it. I'll say this, many of us think that prayer is just us telling God what we need. Well, Lord, I need one of these and I have to have one of those and please, Lord, give me one of these things over here just for good measure. And that's our perceptions. Lord, I want this. Lord, I need this. Instead, we need to go to the Father and say, Lord, what are your orders for today? 
this battle I'm in. I don't know what I'm going to need today. Lord, give me your instructions. What do you want me to do today? And of course, as you combine prayer with, with your study of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will make verses jump out at you. God will speak to your heart. You'll have some of the sweetest times of fellowship with God right there in your home in the morning hours alone with God in your little prayer closet. And you'll come out with the glow of God on your face. Wow, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, this morning, uh, I almost got here late uh, to church because I just forgot about the time. And I was in the prayer closet. Oh, I was having a marvelous time with the Lord. Anyhow, I glanced at the clock. And I stared at it and said, what's wrong with that? There's something wrong about that. Why does it say that? And I realized what time it was. Well, I had to really do the hustle, get myself ready and get into church on time because we've, we, we meet in here Sunday mornings and get on our knees at 8 o'clock so that we can pray. I think this morning there was about eight of us on our knees praying. By the way, I want to invite you to the 9.30 prayer meeting. You don't have to be here for 8 o'clock prayer meeting, but I want to invite you to the 9.30 prayer meeting where we get in that room over there and get on our knees. And uh, I think it's only about seven minutes or so that we have prayer, but it's just a marvelous uh, atmosphere, and the room is charged with prayer. It's just great. I want to encourage you. Next Sunday morning, 9.30, try it. See what you think. Well, prayer now becomes focused on God's needs because He's the leader. He knows what's happening in the battle. God, what do you want me to do? What are your marching orders, sir? And prayer now becomes not just uh, vital, but it becomes exciting as well. When we pray, asking Him to supply everything we need in order to do His will. Now listen carefully. When you and I begin to substitute other forces for God, you know what we do? We retire God out of the battle. How about that? Imagine that. We retire our commander-in-chief off the battlefield when we start substituting other forces for prayer. Prayer is so important, beloved. Every day, you cannot go through the day properly without prayer. Someone once said, seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K, week. Did you catch that? I loved it when I first read that. I thought, man, I want, want that, you know, chiseled on my heart. Our attitude, listen, should be that God is primary. Uh, to make prayer secondary in your life is really to make God secondary. Because every morning you, you pull out that antenna and you get on there. Lord, hi, it's me. I got a battle ahead of me. What are your instructions? What are your orders? What do I need to know? What should I do? Lord, fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. Uh, you may want to start praying for uh, your unsaved family and, and loved ones. And so you're praying for this person, that person to be saved. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. He needs a lot of prayer. I'll tell you that firsthand. Pray for your missionary. Pray that God's power would be upon the services here at church. But Lord, today's Monday. Lord, today's Tuesday. What are your marching orders? I need to know. Lord, show me. Tell me. The Holy Spirit will tell you. If you have a, a desirous heart, if you come before God in a spirit of helplessness and faith, it won't take long. God will show you. You'll begin to be revolutionized. Your Christian life will start to sprout wings. Because 
Whatever you are as a Christian, it's no greater than your prayer life. You're on the battlefield, beloved, and so am I. And I can't go through a day, let alone a week, without being in touch with the commander. Saying, Lord, it's quite a battle here. You know, they're shooting back at me. What do I do? What do I say? Lord, I got to meet with someone. They got questions. Lord, I need wisdom. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And we pull out that antenna. It's like the walkie-talkie of prayer. That's kind of what we're talking about tonight. It's an amazing device to communicate with our our commander-in-chief. Our attitude should be, Here am I, Lord, send me. Our attitude should be, Thy kingdom come. Our attitude should be, Thy will be done. Our attitude should be, Lord, what wilt Thou have me to do? And so, when should a soldier of Christ pray? And it's very simple. There are only two times that you need to be in touch with your commander. There's only two times. I've studied the Bible numerous times, and there's only two times you need to be in touch with your your commander. Now, the first time is uh, in your morning devotional time with God. When you get up in the morning, you excuse yourself from the family, and you get alone with God. You say, Pastor, stop right there. I have a lot of people under my roof and uh, I don't have any place where I can go and pray. All right, then get the people out. (laughs) Shoo them out. Say, uh, dad's going to pray, mom's going to pray. Okay, family, I'm going to pray. I need some time with God. So I'm going to be over here. And when you see this big bed sheet, this big, you know, thing over top of me, you know I'm underneath it. And please tiptoe around. There's always things you can do. If you don't have a a little room, maybe you actually have a clothes closet. You can go in there with a flashlight in your Bible. Get on your knees. Make that your prayer closet. There's always something you can do. You may have to go out into the car in the garage or someplace like that. But there's always something you can do. Get alone with God. I suggest you do it first thing in the morning. Otherwise, you're going to be like the dog chasing its tail. You're going to be chasing your tail all, all throughout the day. So there's only two times. The very best times for prayer, number one, is in the morning devotional time with God. And the second time you need to pray is throughout the day after you leave your devotional time. Those are the only two times you need to pray. First thing in the morning and all through the rest of the day. That's it. Only those two times. Now take your Bible and turn to the right to 1 Thessalonians just a few pages, scant few pages away. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. I'd like you to read out loud with me all together. There's only three words. Come on now, it's only three words. Everyone, no excuse for people not reading. Read it out loud together with me now. Pray without ceasing. Please do it again. Pray without ceasing. And one more time, pray without ceasing. This is the basis of praying throughout the day. Right away, someone says, I can't do that. Oh, that's not reasonable. I can't, you know, just pray 24-7. No, you can't because you're going to be asleep for some of that 24-7. And so you can't be expected to pray while you're asleep those seven or eight hours or whatever it is. But what about the rest of the hours? I can't pray all through my waking hours. Is that so? Then let me ask you this. Have you ever been in love? Many people have. And when boy meets girl, what happens to boy all day long? 
What happens to girl all day long? doesn't matter if he or she's in school or if they're working in a factory or an office and they're doing their thing and, you know, he's thinking about Delilah, Delilah, Delilah. Oh, I made a little mistake. It doesn't matter. Delilah, Delilah. Only two more hours till I can be with Delilah. See? And she's over here saying, Samson, oh, Samson. Only one more hour till I can be with Samson. You get the idea? Yeah. That's exactly what happens. You know that happens. That's what happens all the time all over the world. People have someone in mind all day long. See? You think you can talk to God throughout the day? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I guess maybe I might be able to talk to God. That's called prayer. You honestly really can pray. You know why we don't? Because we forget. Talk about short memories, eh? That's our problem, folks, is we forget. We get busy at home, we get busy driving, we get busy at work, busy at school, we get busy doing this, doing that, and we forget to pray. You know what we need? We need reminders. We need something to keep reminding us. That's why people in love, they give each other little reminders, a little token, a little pin to wear, a necklace, a bracelet, a little ring, a hickey. No, forget that. Um, you know, you get the idea, but little reminders, that sort of thing. I suggest to you that this is the key to the successful Christian life. I suggest to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, this, that you really are a Christian soldier. You honestly really are in a battle. The devil doesn't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to remember it. You are on the battlefield, and you have armor you can wear, but you have communication. You've got a walkie-talkie called prayer. And you can talk to your commander-in-chief throughout the day. Lord, what do I do now? Lord, help me. You know, I'm a, a believer in prayer when you're driving. Uh, 19 years ago, we were still in the city of Ottawa. I didn't pray much when I drove. I came out here, and especially this area called Wally, just north of us, and we got an intersection up here, um, King George in 88, and I'm telling you, I learned to pray while I'm driving. I learned to pray. There are so many people armed with big cars, little driver's license, and they can hardly see over the steering wheel, and uh, they don't see you coming. I learned to pray. I pray all the time at intersections, all the time. Not some of the time, all the time at intersections. I pray a lot when I'm driving. And uh, praise the Lord, God's kept me safe. And my guess is it could be because of the prayer. What do you think? Ask and ye shall receive. Ye have not because ye ask not. The last time you got into an accident, were you praying? The last time you hit or got hit, were you in an attitude of prayer? You really can pray and drive at the same time. You really can. You really can go through the day. The last time you were on the phone, had a heartbreaking conversation, were you praying at the time for wisdom? Hmm? Oh, the boss called me into his office there Friday. Boy, did I pray. Yeah, good, good. Praise the Lord. But how about the rest of the day? You see, we got to remember. We keep forgetting, don't we? I am on the battlefield for my Lord. I am on the battlefield for my Lord. And I promised him that I would serve him till I die. 
for I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. And you and I are on the battlefield. And you and I are soldiers. And you and I have a communication device called prayer. And we need to be using it in the first thing in the morning and throughout the day. Because the battle never stops. Tell you a true story. It's not often that an airplane pilot will have a medical emergency while he or she is piloting a plane. It, it's very rare it happens, but it does happen. Back in uh, 2009, in Florida, there was an emergency. A pilot was flying his Super King twin-engine turboprop airplane at 10,000 feet. He had four passengers, a husband, a wife, and two daughters. Those are the passengers. He was the pilot. And he's piloting this thing. And they're ascending up 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 feet. Plop. He loses consciousness. The husband, whose name was Doug White, no relation, uh, did what any proper father would do, human would do. He freaked out. His whole family freaked out. Like at first there was stunned silence. Uh-oh, this can't be good. Our pilot is dead or something. And so um, he gets behind the, the controls and grabs hold of this wheel thing. And he tells his family, pray hard. Doug was not a pilot. He hadn't a clue what to do. He had never flown a plane before. He'd been in planes, but he was never sitting in the seat. And he, he knew enough that there was a radio tower out there and he, he manages to get someone on the, the radio. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? The pilot, I think, is dead or something. I don't know what to do. There's four of us left in the plane. What do we do? What do we do? Two air traffic controllers came on the air with him and started to talk to Doug and explain to him what he needs to do. And back and forth, the communication went. Okay, I've done it. What's next? Okay, now what you need to do is grab this control. No, no, Doug, not that one. The one beside it. Okay, that one, yeah. And you need to push it forward just slightly, just a little bit. You feel that? Yeah, I do. And it took some time as the air traffic controllers walked Doug through the turning of knobs and the flipping of switches. But Doug successfully landed that plane and saved every life aboard. Isn't that exciting? And that's a true story. Now, if you were Doug, your pilot just died. All right, get him out of there. You sit behind the, the controls. I don't think we'll need this very much, and you turn the radio off. Is that what you would do? You're, I think I can get us out of this little dilemma. But honey, you've never flown a plane before in your life. Oh, well, there's always a time for everything. First time, you know, everything. You've got to learn sometime in life. I think I can get us through this little... Ah! And down you'd go, right? That's about what would happen. You wouldn't turn that radio off. You'd grip that thing with a death grip. You wouldn't let go of it. Don't, 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 no, 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 don't, don't, don't go away. Stay with me, stay with me. What do I do next? That's what you do. When you're in a situation like that, you know it's a battle. You know it's a life and death situation. Boy, do you need the help of communication. And you and I are Christians on the battlefield for God. And we've got a walkie-talkie of prayer. And you know what we do? We, we pull the antenna out. 
we started up and we say, Lord, I want you to bless me today. And by the way, I got my, uh, my Fruit Loops in front of me with the milk on it. And I'm just about to eat it. Thank you for the food. Amen. Click and you pull the antenna down, fire it to one side. You eat your Fruit Loops. You take off for most of the day. Lunchtime comes. Where'd that radio go? I got to eat my sandwich, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch. You pull the antenna out and say, Lord, thank you very much for this food. Bless the day. And you pull that antenna back in, fire that thing off to one side. You eat your lunch and away you go the rest of the day. That's what most of us do. No wonder, no wonder our Christian lives feel like they're running on the, on the edge. No wonder we're not getting the, the uh, wings as eagles. No wonder we're not getting the answers to prayer. No wonder we're stepping in the devil's landmines and things are going off, boom, boom, like crazy around us some days because we're not making use of the walkie-talkie of prayer. You will only use it when you realize that you're a Christian soldier out on the battlefield. And you better pull out that antenna. It'll save your life and the life of those around you. Prayer is so, so important. But pastor, I keep forgetting. I know. And what you need to do is make yourself little reminders. You say, like what? Well, you could take out a pen. You could write on your hand, pray, stupid. That might help. You could, what some people used to do is tie a little string with a bow. I don't know how you do it with one hand. Maybe it takes so long to do that you never forget now what it is you wanted to remind yourself. But you've got to make little reminders. You could carry something with you. Some people, they buy a little cross, a little metal cross or something they'll put in their pocket and every time they touch it, oh yeah, I'm a, a soldier for the Lord and they start praying. There's other things. There's many different ways you can remind yourself, but you have to keep reminding yourself until it's a habit, until every day you don't need those reminders anymore because you're consciously aware of the battle and you're always praying to your Heavenly Father and that antenna never goes back in. It always stays out. You might want to practice prayer when you're in the car tonight on the way home. And it doesn't have to be, Oh, Lord! Don't pray like that. Stupid people pray like that. But you pray in, in your heart, Lord, we're coming to an intersection. Give us safety. Thank you, Lord. Through you go. You get the idea? Lord, if you want me to get through that green light, oh, it's turning yellow. Thank you, Lord. And you, know, you come to a nice stop. That prevents a lot of papa tubophobia. You know, I've got to get through that light. No, I don't have to. My Lord wants me to rest. Wow. It's good for the soul. Trust me. You see what I'm saying tonight? Prayer is listed in the context of the battle. And the reason it's put in there, it's because it's a communication tool for you and I between the general, the leader, the commander. And every day we need to get that antenna out and leave it out all day long as we're communicating with God. Make yourself a little prayer reminder. Some people take a little card and put a Bible verse on there, carry it with them. It's a prayer reminder as well as a Bible verse. Jesus promised, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. That's his promise in John 15:7. There's lots of different ways to make yourself reminders. You need to do that, beloved. I want to invite you to the altar tonight. 
Now, if you've been neglecting prayer, your first order of business when you come and you pull out the antenna is you ask God to forgive you for not praying enough. You ask God to forgive you and ask God to help you remember. You'll get up off your knees and go back a Christian victor. You'll feel that you're really on the winning side of the battle for a change. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Come for prayer tonight. Repent about radios that have been turned off. Ask God's help to find you a way to remember to keep your spiritual radio on all day long.